0: He sucks his teeth. They shouldn't have killed him, he proclaims indignantly. And I know that a lecture will follow. It's the way of the South, it's an unwritten rule. If one of your elders makes a proclamation, even if said elder is a complete stranger, a speech will follow and you will listen. Uh. And I do. And, uh. That was a clip from the episode Silence, which comes out this Wednesday, September 14th. For those of you who have been missing my conversations with Annie Weaver, we have a twofer this week. I sat down with Annie to talk about both To the Touch and the episode Until Your Heart Releases You, which came out this past Wednesday. It's just a really nice talk about adolescence and parenthood and all of the troubles that come with both. So without further ado, Annie Weaver. Let's start from the beginning. You were telling me all about a Jody P. Colt novel.
1: Yes, called Handle With Care about a child with osteogenesis imperfecta, which you uh, called, and most people do call it brittle bone syndrome. And it's about a child. And of course, her mother, I don't know, I don't remember the father being part of the story, the choices the mother makes to allow her brilliant, sweet, funny child to live and of course the child has to give up any semblance of a normal life and in the end that becomes a problem for the child and she takes a risk but she doesn't hurt anyone else reading to the touch i kept thinking multiple things first of all in the beginning of the story i'm i'm sympathetic to this girl And by the end of the story, I don't have a great deal of sympathy for her. So I had to think about why. Why am I so unsympathetic? And I thought part of it, I think, is because there were so many ways people tried to help her adapt. And she still chose to be mean to people. And she, at the end, had made a life for herself, but it wasn't enough. And granted, is it a full life like you and I enjoy? No. But when she decides to break the camera at the end, it's like she imploded what little life she had. So not only was she mean to everybody else, she was mean to herself.
0: Sorry, I, I'm I'm confused. I don't I don't remember writing anything about her breaking a camera.
1: It doesn't show her, but I thought she was reaching up. Did I imagine that?
0: You did.
1: Good.
0: Yeah, she's just she's just making a video for her fans. She's not breaking the camera.
1: That changes the end of the story. I just assumed because the whatever it said about the description of her looking at that little bitty lens, I thought she was getting ready to reach up there and, and break that and shatter that, but she is not.
0: She is not.
1: Okay. That changes the whole symbolism of the camera too. Well, it changes it just for me because that means... Her life has narrowed on her end to that small lens, but she still has a way out. And so that makes the end much more hopeful.
0: How do you mean hopeful for for what?
1: Hopeful because she will have a life. It may not be what she wanted, but she has made her own way to connect to people
0: But through a screen, you know, through a filter.
1: Right. However, also, I think about technology a great deal. And I was thinking about all the people who have disabilities, that there's nothing to help them. The world has come a long way, like vocal speech for people who can't talk, um all kinds of of mechanical helps, how technology has changed everything. And so at least she has a way. Imagine if she'd been born with that 100 years ago. So in that way, I found I found that part of it hopeful.
0: You had mentioned um, throughout the story, people trying to help her. Uh, t- tell me about that. What who are you seeing as being um, as attempting to help her?
1: Well, the that somebody, well, people were mean to her, I realize, but like her parents took it pretty well in the beginning. I'm sure they were scared out of their wits and in denial. But that when she tried to touch things, people like made them plastic, which I think angered her instead of helping her realize that there was at least. Some opportunity for a way around the problem, like a screen that was coated in plastic uh-huh. that didn't break uh was there a greenhouse? where did she go and she couldn't maybe it was while she was in the she, institution she,
0: well, so when she was touching Philip, her power went away, so yeah, they were in a greenhouse at the at their facility yeah and
1: Would anyone want to be tied to someone for the rest of your life so you wouldn't break anything? No. He was kind of scary in a way. How's that? Artistic, but he was really dependent. I don't know that he was going. I think he saw her as saving him and perhaps himself as saving her as well. Mm -hmm. But people get tied together for lots of reasons and eventually you want your independence and she wanted hers and i couldn't decide because of the science fiction kind of element of the story if he really changed or if she just saw him differently from being with him all the time
0: i mean i think in any relationship oftentimes the things that we find to be Adorable or quirky, we come to find as irritating and um, ugly.
1: While I was reading it, I was thinking, "Hmm, this is sort of normal in its own way, because that's what happens in relationships." But at the same time, after she she was angry. I don't know that she ever came to a place of acceptance. And maybe since she was not about to shatter the camera. Well,
0: I mean, the story does end with her having plans to take her show on the road and go shatter bigger pieces of glass.
1: Just to see if she could. And there was never, I don't, I never felt like there was any acknowledgement on her part that she might be hurting other people by what she was doing. I don't know that she ever actually thought about that. She just did it because she could.
0: But I think that, I mean, you say she did it because she could. She didn't have a a choice in... I mean, she, you know, I guess she, her choice would would be to wear gloves,
1: which she did at one point.
0: I don't know. I, I guess I see that or she would see that as as covering up a, a power that and, and you know, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to myself talk and I'm hit. I'm reminded of Frozen, you know, and the the story of the Ice Queen, who who whatever she touches, it turns to ice. And has to wear gloves. Or
1: Carrie, who's sort of Stephen King's Carrie, Uh who sort of had power over what she set on fire and eventually destroys everything. True. But she didn't do that in the beginning. Not until she was treated so terribly that she decided to get even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, It's what you do. With your power, how do you choose to use it, whether it's intelligence or beauty or humor, some power that you have, whether it's science fiction kind of power or not? What do you do with that? Do you use it for good? Do you use it for evil? Do you protect other people? And how do people make those choices?
0: And if your power is one that is. Fundamentally destructive.
1: And is she meant to be sympathetic? This is where you get to ask the author, like, what did you mean? You have so few opportunities to do that. Is she meant to be sympathetic? Did you mean her? Or well, to be unsympathetic? Or are you leaving it up to us as readers?
0: For most of the story, she is an adolescent. And I find that they are very difficult to empathize with.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and what do I empathize with in in grace? Um, that she has to live with a power that other people consider to be a disability. and To have to balance those two ideas in your head Um, and, you know, to go, okay, well, for me, it means this, but for everyone else, it's, it's harmful. And so how can something that makes me feel so good be something that other people want to push down and hide and not talk about and treat i guess you could look at it as an addiction story it could be a story of of someone who doesn't feel um at home in their own skin you know feels like an alien and so while she is not you know her actions don't paint her in a sympathetic way she's destructive She is masochistic. She um, is disobedient. And angry. Of course she's angry. Uh, And when she goes to school, the reaction is that she is ugly and not worthy of being a friend. And while they may not, you know, the people at school may not know what she's capable of. They certainly have no problem Bullying her.
1: Because people with disabilities do get bullied.
0: Yeah. And, and if you have power that people would consider a disability and they therefore marginalize you for it, I think that anger and a desire for revenge is a fairly natural response. In the end, instead, she monetizes the whole thing. And grows a fan base. Grace may never have close friends, but she has fans.
1: And interestingly enough, I didn't consider her building a fan base to be an evil action. I thought of it as her finding a way to live with her power and not be isolated. Mm -hmm. And I I swear to you, both times I read the story, I read it a long time ago, actually, and then listened to it and then reread it. And all of those times, I honestly thought she was about to to destroy the camera. It changes the entire story to know she is not. This because it's a it's a much name. i mean, yes, she's going to destroy things, and it's possible her fan base would encourage her to to do kinds of destruction that would harm other people, but I guess I'm hopeful they would not want to watch her hurt people. I guess I just maintain there's some humanity somebody would say wait once is enough you gotta stop this but maybe not i i really i kept thinking about her parents um because they did try to get help for her and then they let the kid they let the guy move in there i did laugh at the part where the mother's like separate bedrooms and everything and then when the father finds out they're having sex he's like yeah (laughs) Like, I could have told you that was going to happen. That part of the story just rang really true to me. Hmm. Yeah, I thought, well, they love her, but her mother was still trying to act as if all of this was some sort of, that she still had just a regular teenager, which of course she does not. Yeah. So what am I missing that made you write the story what do you want readers to get i always get not necessarily what other readers get i get maybe what i'm curious about or or it's a response to something else i've read like jody book
0: in adapting these stories and having to reread them and and re-listen and i notice that um most of my protagonists are either young women or young feminine men uh, who are either broken in some way um, or a reflection of the brokenness of their families or the world in which they live. And I guess in some way, they're all some version of of me and the way that I've felt in, you know, in in my life. And I I can't recall exactly um, where the story came from other than I did have an is, you know, I had an image of um, someone touching a piece of glass and just it shattering under their hand and i think that that probably comes from this period of my life when i thought that everything i touched was everything i touched broke that i couldn't that i just seemed to break things at at will and questioning whether or not i actually had any control over that if i was purposefully breaking my life um and what what does that mean what would i want out of that was this, you know, is, is is Grace someone who wants to push people away? Is she someone who is calling out for help? Is she someone who's calling out for help? And then when she gets the help she thought she wanted, decides that she does need to push people away. And these are all questions that I have about myself.
1: It never occurred to me you were writing about yourself. I had noticed that you often write about adolescence, but I attributed that to your long experience working with kids and knowing how well you understood them and your gift, I call it a gift, call it a power, if you will, of working with troubled kids. Not everyone has that gift and you were really good at it. And the fact that troubled kids whose dialogue rings very true to me the fact that those kinds of kids keep showing up in your stories d- did not surprise me so but i didn't think about it being you which leads me to the discussion of the other story that also reminded me after i had to look up the title of jody Bacult's book and in the the little blurb Uh, It said it talked about parents' hopes and dreams for their children. And what do you do when those don't come to be, which made me think about your story, too. That story nearly killed me. And if I had read it before, which I think I had, I blocked it out. It was so painful I could hardly bear it. And it could only have been written, I think, by the father of a girl. Mm. I, I just think that came from a place of, and maybe that was how you felt before Emmeline was born. Um, I don't know, but that could only have been written by someone who was terrified for his own child. I don't think anybody's imagination could go there without having that experience.
0: I know that initially the story came from getting the news that, or being in the doctor's office when they couldn't find a fetal heartbeat uh, the first time that Amy was pregnant. And that sense of loss of something that had not, you know, w- wasn't, I mean, it was a loss, yes, but it was a loss of possibility. And I I have a tendency to have obsessive thoughts of, of all kinds of loss, that whatever endeavor um, I am going after and you go after an endeavor I don't know involved in um will end badly I think it's sweet for any father to imagine the possible life for his for his children but for those for that ideation to be to always end in death is well it's morbid to say the least but that's I mean that's That is straight up just from my own head. Like, I can find a million ways why something will fail and do it anyway.
1: As a writer, this deals more with the element of the writing itself. Because I had blocked it out or had never read it, I was completely fooled until halfway through the story... At which I'm sure, I think anyway, you intended for us not to realize what was actually happening. And then there was, I don't remember which which dream um, he was describing. And I, the verb tense seemed wrong. And I thought, well, that's not like Michael Mao. And then read on and went, oh, I see I think it was maybe conditional tense, but you would have conditional tense if you thought your child was going to grow up or, you know, I think it was when he says, uh, maybe she's going to the prom and he says, I knew he would not take care of her. He would do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh, he's about to say, and that's exactly what happened. And that's why she's in the hospital. But of course, that is not at all what happened. But it is a powerful, powerful story. For a, a parent with a child who's any age, a baby, it would be really difficult if your child were a baby with a, a health issue. But don't you think the emotion came through because you are the parent of two children who are on the verge of that age where you begin to get away from your parents and experience things on your own. I'm sure that there are terrors for parents, no matter how their children are and to know that someone else feels that way or that they have like, those thoughts and those fears but and I have no children so for me to be I thought this I can't handle this I don't know what I'm going to say except only a true parent could have written this
0: Annie always has a different way of looking at my stories than a lot of people do, and it's so refreshing to hear her take. So hopefully she will be back next week or in a couple of weeks to talk about the episode Silence, which will be out on Wednesday, our first nonfiction episode. To find out more about the show, to read about the cast, or to donate... You can visit us at a blindplaypodcast.com or on Instagram at Mauhaus Productions.